So I have a new book coming out in January. I know, it's pretty exciting stuff. It's called How to Begin. There should be a website up at howtobegin.com where you can uh, sign up for pre-orders or at least find out a bit about the book. And the book is about setting a worthy goal for yourself. I mean, not the usual ho-hum smart goal stuff and not the flim-flam of let me manifest the universe either, but a goal, a project, something worthy of your life, something thrilling, important, and daunting. I know you know that and probably want that in theory, but in practice, well, first, what does it take to find a worthy goal? And second, and this is probably the harder part of the mix, what does it take to commit to it? Welcome to Two Pages with MBS, the podcast where brilliant people read the best two pages from a favorite book, a book that has moved them, a book that has shaped them. My guest today has lived in two seemingly different worlds, the Marines and the world of learning and development. Neftali Bryant is Director of Learning and Organizational Development at Netflix, a company you may have heard of, and he has a pretty simple passion in life. At least, it's simple to say. I'm I'm one of those guys that is passionate about learning and development and really passionate about unlocking people's full potential. It's hard enough to unlock your own full potential, let alone someone else's. And while the language around Nathalie's passion might seem more warm and fuzzy, his foundation in it was built in a situation that was anything but. I actually spent four years in the United States Marine Corps, and I was actually leading Marines and, and teaching Marines and coaching them on, on team stuff and coaching them on how to be better leaders and it really dawned on me that at that moment in time, I was like, I want to do something with this. But Neftali's story starts even earlier than that. It seems his love of learning and development was the result of a challenging childhood. You know, I'm one of six kids raised by a single mother. My father left uh, when I was two years old. I never got to see him a day in my life. And so I went to the military for this discipline and this determination, this drive, this level of leadership that wasn't present in my life. And I got all those things and it taught me that when you bring those to the table and those are like table stakes where you're determined to, to get better every day, where you're disciplined enough to, to go out and make things happen. And that if you can walk into a room and step up and be a leader, it can change everything for your life. And so that was, was some of the anchors that allowed me to think about a career in learning and development. Going from being a Marine to being a corporate guy seems a pretty big stretch in and of itself. So I asked him what he'd learned in the military that he brought with him to learning and development at Netflix. One is around troop welfare. So we had this old idea of like, hey, let's take care of each other. Look out for one another. Uh, And the second one is mission accomplishment. So really looking at how are we focused on accomplishing the things that are in front of us and how are we doing it together in a way where we're accountable for one another and we're also just focused on how do we make a difference in whatever we do? And, and what is translated to me now, so it goes from mission accomplishment in the military to something I like to call, you know, add value to people and then find ways to become more valuable to people. That's really been my anchors since, since that time. When you're in the corporate setting, learning and development, L&D, has a bit of a mixed reputation. I mean, there are some people like you and me, we love it. We love this stuff. Yes. So you and I just <laughs> violently agree about how awesome all of this work actually is. 
Absolutely. But so often L&D is a kind of add-on. It's seen by many as a bit of a waste of time, you know, a distraction, a thing we have to get people through so they can then go back to their real job and do their real work. How do you influence the conversation to make L&D part of the mission, part of here's how we add value, here's how we keep adding value in an organization or a corporate setting? Yeah, I I try to focus on um, doing things a little bit more organically um, and through a relational lens. So I try to focus on what are the relationships that are going to be most important to the success of the work that I'm trying to achieve. And I work on those first. And I really double down on understanding the people that I'm serving. The other piece that I really focus on is how do I keep things radically simple when it comes to the approach to the work? I have this concept called deliver easy, right? So Mm. the overarching philosophy is like, make sure it's radically simple, but then make sure you deliver easy. Make sure it's engaging. Make sure it's accessible. Make sure it's simple, yet yielding to impact in what we do. So the combination of the two, focusing on the relational piece um, and really honing in on delivering easy has really been a, a tool for me to help connect people not only to, to me and what I'm doing, but also to the, the needs that they have within the business and how learning can help solve those needs. I love that concept of deliver easy. Can you take me to a moment where that kind of became clear that this was an essential part of the plan? Yeah, it, it's interesting because... When I was early in my career, I remember sitting in in a workshop and the facilitator at the time, I'm not going to name any names. I don't remember the the person's (laughs) name, but they were facilitating and it wasn't going that great. And they had their back to me the whole time. They they weren't really focused and caring about my experience. And I said, you know what? Like he's complicating things for himself here in this moment. How how do we how does he make it easier for people to engage and connect? And so I started to hang my calling card on engaging people and connecting people and simplifying, right. and making things easy. So throughout my career, if you talk to anybody that's worked with me, they always have a sense of like when Natalie shows up, he, he simplifies everything. He makes it yeah. easier for people to engage and connect and to learn. And so that's really when it started for me. And I started to crystallize this concept of delivery easy over the past couple of years here. You know, it, it may be a book one day, folks. So, so you'll you'll see there. Yeah, but um, right. yeah, that's really what, what, what's happened for me in that, in that way. I really understand what you're saying about developing a training philosophy in the face of terrible training, because that's where my stuff comes from too. I've just sat through so many training sessions where I'm like, oh my goodness, look, I don't even know this topic area, but can I get up and run this and facilitate this for you? Because your process is killing me here. Natalie. What role does curiosity play in your life? Why does that feel important to you? Yeah, curiosity is, I feel like it's a superpower. Um, If you're not asking the question why or how does this work or what can I learn, you're missing out on easy moments for growth and development. And I've I've not gone to the top schools in the world. I've not even had some of the the same opportunities as some of the people in, in my um, in my world or in my community, yeah. but I've always been curious. I've always asked the question, like, let me understand what website this is, or let me understand like why they did this. And it, it creates this perpetual kind of learning vibe that I have that just doesn't stop because I will never lose my yeah. curiosity. And with that 
if I don't lose my curiosity, I will continue to learn and grow forever. Um, and I feel like it's a, it's an advantage uh, for me personally. Uh, so as soon as you say curiosity is a superpower, I, I'm like, amen, hallelujah, exactly. Because so much of what I believe comes down to exactly that. Curiosity does open up so many interesting doors, increases focus, increases connection. But I think you and I are probably in the minority in believing this. It's hard to find people who are you know, anti-curious, but it's lots of people who've just put curiosity aside and get on with the daily grind. So how do you help champion curiosity with the people in your life and with your family and with your colleagues at Netflix? How do you wave a flag for that? Yeah, I think part of what I try to do is I try to challenge the status quo in every conversation that I'm in. Um, and I, I try to encourage us to ask the questions that aren't being asked. Mm. Like, what are we not thinking about here? Um, that's, that's one way. The other way is I try to help the people in my life, people I work with, sit in the space of curiosity. Mm -hmm without trying to solve anything, just ask some questions, just take a step back and sit in the space of what could be, how could this look? And, and really sit with that because from that, it actually will help you create insight. And then you actually can go in and solve the challenges, the problems, the things that you face with a little bit more ingenuity, a little bit more creativity and a little bit more passion. So those are just a couple of things that I try. So Tali, what book have you chosen for us today? Yes. So I have chosen the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by my mentor and friend, John C. Maxwell. And when did this book come into your life? Yeah, this book came into my life about three years ago uh, yeah. when I first uh, became a part of the John Maxwell team as a yeah. speaker, trainer and coach um, and getting mentored by, by him and his team. For years, I've always loved John Maxwell's work um, and I wasn't sure of, you know, what was next in my life. And I was struggling with some of the growth that I needed to have personally. And I, I found this book that really talks all about how you can focus on growth as a key to transform your life. And I ate that book up immediately. <laughs> uh, and there are 15 laws throughout that book that help you do that. Yeah. So what do you see in John, John Maxwell, that's so impressive and inspiring for you? Yeah, I think one of the things that I see is that this authenticity mm. that John can get up there on stage, put a, a glass of water next to him and just talk to a room full of 3000 people like you were all sitting in his living room. And that level of authenticity actually translates to his books. Right. So you feel connected to them. You feel also a way of uh, that you're inspired by them. You're learning and growing from them as well. And so. That's one thing that stands out to me. The other thing too is the simplicity and the practicality of how mm. he writes to really help you understand how to translate this into your own life. I've read many books where you're like, what do I do from here? That was <laughs> great, but like, where do I go? Yeah. He allows you to take this, take it somewhere. Yeah. Okay, the book is 15 Invaluable Laws, but you've only got two pages. So how did you come to choose these two pages? What are you going to go with? Yeah, I really tried to think about what has personified my life um, in terms of my ability to grow and develop, in terms of how I've helped others grow and develop through my 17 years doing learning and org development. And it, I really landed on one of the laws specifically. Um, and it's actually the, the 10th law, 
and it's called the law of the rubber band. And really this mm. law states that growth stops when you lose the tension between where you are and where you could be. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it just speaks to my soul because I'm always thinking about <laughs> that tension. Right. That's really great. All right, just because I'm really curious, what were the two other laws that were on the short list where you're like, maybe I'll read this, maybe I'll read that because it must have been hard to pick? Yeah, the other one was the law of intentionality. Um, growth doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Um, that was the, that's the first law. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to do the first one. Um, so that was one. And then another one that was on the list is the law of the mirror which is really where it talks about you must see value in yourself to add value to yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, that would, they would have been really interesting to hear as well. Um, and I know people who are listening are thinking, okay, I need to find out what those other 12 laws are because they all sound really powerful. <laughs> well, why don't you take us to the two pages you're going to read? So here we have Natalie Bryant reading from John Maxwell's wonderful book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Natalie, over to you. Too many people are willing to settle for average in life. Is that bad? Read this description written by Edmund Godot, and then you decide. Average is what the failures claim to be when their family and friends ask them why they are not more successful. Average is the top of the bottom, the best of the worst, the bottom of the top, the worst of the best. Which of these are you? Average means being run-of-the-mill, mediocre, insignificant, and also ran a non-entity. Being average is the lazy person's cop-out. It's lacking the guts to take a stand in life. It's living by default. Being average is to take up space for no purpose, to take the trip through life, but never to pay the fare, to return no interest for God's investment in you. Being average is to pass one's life away with time rather than to pass one's time away with life. It's to kill time rather than to work it to death. To be average is to be forgotten. Once you pass from this life, the successful are remembered for their contributions. The failures are remembered because they tried. But the average, the silent majority, is just forgotten. To be average is to commit the greatest crime one can against one's self-humanity and one's God. The saddest epithet is this. Here lies Mr. and Mrs. Average. Here lies the remains of what might have been, except their belief that they were only average. I cannot stand the idea of settling for average. Can you? Nobody admires average. The best organizations don't pay for average. Mediocrity is not worth shooting for. As novelist Arnold Bennett said, the real tragedy is the tragedy of the man who never in his life braces himself for his one supreme effort, who never stretches to his full capacity, never stands up to his full stature. We must be aware of the gap that stands between us and our potential and let the tension of that gap motivate us to keep striving to become better. Selling for the status quo ultimately leads to dissatisfaction. I believe most people are naturally tempted to settle into a comfort zone where they choose comfort over potential. They fall into familiar patterns and habits, doing the same things 
in the same ways with the same people at the same time and getting the same results. It's true that being in your comfort zone may feel good, but it leads to mediocrity and therefore dissatisfaction. As psychologist Abraham Maslow asserted, if you plan on being anything less than you are capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. If you have ever settled for the status quo and then wondered why your life isn't going the way you'd hope, then you need to realize that you will only reach your potential if you have the courage to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and break out of the mindset of mediocrity. You must be willing to leave behind what, what feels familiar, safe, and secure. You must give up excuses and push forward. You must be willing to face the tension that comes from stretching toward your potential. That is the only way to avoid what poet John Greenleaf Whittier described when he wrote, For all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Stretching always starts from the inside out. When I was a teenager, my dad asked me to read As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. It had a profound impact on my life. It made me realize that reaching your potential started on the inside. Well, wow. <laughs> He's not exactly pulling his punches there, is he? There's not a whole lot of ambiguity around this. It's like, <laughs> this is your life. Either you get this together and you stretch, you find tension, you strive to be the person you can be, or you've wasted your life. I mean, this is a powerful call to action. Yes. What's at the heart of it here for you? Yeah, the heart of it for me, you know, is I think about like a rubber band. And if you think about a rubber band, a rubber band is useless if it's not stretched. <laughs> right. And so the thing I think about is I feel like we all need to be in this perpetual state of stretching. And what does that look like? What does that mean? Either you are stretch, excuse me, either you are stretching someone or, or something, you're either being, or you're being stretched yourself or you're about to be stretched. Yeah. So it's this perpetual stretching or tension that you feel. Hey, you know, I'm stretched by someone right now or something or I'm stretching someone else, or I'm about to be stressed, stretched, if you will. Yeah, That's kind of the thinking that I have around it. If you have that tension in your life, growth is happening every which way uh, possible. How do you look after yourself when you're being stretched? Because, I mean, it sounds good in theory, but actually it means you're perpetually out of your comfort zone, yeah. and it's tiring, it's stressful, it's ambiguous, it's uncertain. I'm curious to know how you balance that with the need for self-care. Yeah, I think part of the balance is is choosing where you want to be stretched mm. um, and, and really owning that stretching. So it's not, hey, I'm being pulled in 15 different directions and this isn't comfortable. It's, you know what? I choose to be stretched in this direction, in this direction. I choose to stretch other people in this direction because I know it'll be good for them. So it's, it's an intentional stretching. It's not a haphazard stretching, which allows you to have self-care because you're not you're not in this state of where you're being consumed by the stretching. You're managing the stretching. Um, and so you can stretch and then let go. Um, you can you can engage and, and come back to it. That's kind of the thinking there. 
So, and how do you figure out where to stretch? Because I think I've had times in my life where I'm like, oh, okay, I've chosen this. And there's other times where I'm like, okay, it's chosen me. <laughs> oh, and app- oh, yeah. apparently I'm stretching now. Um, I'm the rubber band here. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, universe. And in fact, the book that I've been writing at the moment um, is about helping people figure out a worthy goal, something that's thrilling and important and daunting. So because this is on my mind, I'm curious to know how you figure out what to put your time and attention on. Yeah, I, I, I connect it to what my purpose is. Um, if it's not connected to the greater purpose of why I'm here on this earth, yeah. then I'm not going to allow myself to be stretched in that area because it's a waste of time. Mm. Um, and that's why you got to know what your purpose is so that you know where you need to stretch to get you closer to actually realizing that purpose as much as you can before you leave this earth. And how do you articulate your purpose? Yeah, so for me, it's really, my my purpose in this world is really to um, motivate and inspire people to be the absolute best version of themselves and to unlock that um, in any way, shape or form. And anything that is pushing me toward doing more of that for people, whether it's speaking, um, whether it's teaching, whether it's just showing up to uh, offer encouraging words, right? that's what I want to push and stretch myself toward being better at, toward growing in. Uh, because that's what's going to give me the greatest return on my investment. Yeah, I love that. So can you tell me how you found that, that moment you found and articulated your purpose? Because you've thought about this. So where did it come from? Yeah, so it actually was almost eight years ago to, to the date. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in, in, in church. And and at the time, you know, I, I, my, my pastor at the time was like, hey, I, th- I think you need, a, you need to be a, a preacher and a minister in the church. And I almost passed out because I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> like, I, I know the work that goes into that and the life that you need to, to live and embody. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And so then we had some further conversations. And I'll never forget, I was going through this minister in training where I was making steps closer to being that minister that you know I thought maybe was for me, but also maybe wasn't. Yeah. And I stepped on stage and I was actually going to to preach a sermon, if you will. And the pastor at the time looked at me and he said, you know what? You're not, you're not a, a preacher or a pastor for the church. You are a corporate preacher. That's interesting. This is what he told me. You're a corporate preacher. And I was like, wow, what does that mean? And so I went on this search and this journey to figure out what that means. And it really basically what, uh, means what I articulated a moment ago around helping people yeah. unlock all that. So now when I show up, I show up with a good word. I show up with mm. um, the the tools and the ways that you can unlock the greatness that's inside of you. And I'm operating out of that corporate preacher that that I was told I was many, many years ago. It's pretty crazy to me to think about and actually share that story. I never shared that. Um, openly, but I figured I'd share it with you, Michael. We're oh, like, thank you. I appreciate that. That's quite the moment having somebody see you and call you forth like that. It must have been incredibly powerful. Yeah. So even with the purpose that you have and the direction of that purpose, which is to unlock people's potential and be a corporate preacher, there's still so many opportunities you could go to stretch. It could be, you know, I'm going to start my own company and go in there and reinvent learning and development from the outside in. It could be, I'm going to make Netflix a legend in the world of L&D. 
by just rethinking everything around the way L&D happens in a way that's true to Netflix's famous culture and speaks to the technology we have. It could be, I'm going to write a book. It could be, I'm going to launch a podcast. All of these are possible projects that you could speak to your purpose and also stretch you and grow you. <laughs> so how do you figure out which of these to choose? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging to, to, to be honest. It's one of those things where it's constant energy management. It's not time management. It's energy management um, because all those things, the stretching takes energy, uh, especially when you're stretching in the direction of your purpose. So I really try to take a step back and I try to simplify how, how much stretching I'm going to do for a given year, right? And so that may mean, hey, you know what? I, I'm only going to take a couple of speaking engagements right. uh, this year. I'm only going to focus on um, writing a book uh, this year. Or I'm only going to you know, double down on uh, one area of significant growth for me where I want to, hey, maybe be a better facilitator or a better coach. Yeah. So I don't try to boil the ocean. I try, but I do try to make one significant investment every year that's pushing me toward that and stretching me toward uh, my purpose. Yeah, that's nice. And, you know, I mean, air quotes, asking for a friend, because I spend a lot of time trying to make a choice between a whole bunch of interesting ideas I have. How do I choose which ones to push the money into and the time into and the resource and the commitment into? Nathalie, when you talk about stretch and when you talk about growth and when you talk about focus, I think what's also required here is something unspoken and less acknowledged is sacrifice. You have to say no to things. You have to let some things go. I'm wondering if you can talk about a moment where you've had to make a clear sacrifice in order to commit to your purpose Absolutely. and the stretch goal that you've set yourself. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it happens pretty often in terms of sacrifice because I feel like anybody that's really clear about who they are, the value they add and where they want to go. Um, it, it is a road of filled with sacrifice. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, there, there are many times that come up for me, but I, I think it really comes down to sacrificing my own desires over the desires and needs of my family. Right. Um, and it, it really comes down to, most recently I've had my second child and um, part of what my wife and I have always been talking about is like, Hey, you got to really figure out where you spend your energy because the moments that you spend energy stretching in these other directions can sometimes take away from us. So very, be very clear about what those moments are. Um, and so it's a constant conversation to figure that out. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't, um, which I think we all can kind of share that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> So, so it's, it's difficult. I'm not going to sit here and say I have any clear answers to that. Yeah. But I think it's constant communication about the why and mm. really understanding why you're doing something. Because sometimes we can do things in vain for our own selfish needs. Oh, I want, I want to write a book because I want people to see that I wrote a book. Or, you know, <laughs> I want to do a podcast because everybody else is doing a podcast. So you have to watch those moments. So I'm really challenging myself on my why so that the sacrifices are, are not as deep as they could be. I'm not sure if that completely answered your question, but. No, 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 that's great. Because now I'm wondering why I'm writing a book and doing a podcast. I mean, are my motives pure? <laughs> this has been actually a wonderful conversation. So thank you. And I've got a final question for you. It's a, it's a big question. 
all encompassing, but I love it as a kind of the final wrap up question in this conversation. Nafali, what needs to be said that hasn't yet been said in this conversation between us? Yeah, um, stretching comes with the price, but it is a price that you got to be willing to pay for. Um, because the other thing about the stretching is when you allow yourself to be stretched, you end up being a role model for others to see that, hey, you were stretched and it was okay. Like you didn't, you didn't break. Right. And it reminds me of, uh, of this old toy, Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> Stretch Armstrong was this like fit guy, a toy from I think like the 80s. And you could stretch him in four different directions. And you see the commercials, the kids are like stretching him and everything. And it's like, yay, wrapping him around a pole. But at the end of the day, he always returned to his original shape. Right. So, so the thing to remember is that even though you're being stretched, you will always be able to return back to who you are and the core of why you do what you do. And it's not going to break you. Do you remember Naftali talking about the rubber band? Useless, if not stretched. That's really the daunting part of the worthy goal, which you know I talked about at the top. That sense that you're up against your own edges, feeling your way into the unknown. And there's that paradox. We want to be stretched. We don't want to be stretched. They're both true. But what I also love about this metaphor is that a rubber band can't stretch itself. It needs an outside agent to help it find its potential. A friend, a colleague, a coach, a mastermind group, a podcast, perhaps. So my question for you is, who's the person who will provoke, permit, allow you to expand yourself? So if you enjoyed this conversation, I've got a couple of other learning and development rooted episodes to recommend. First, my conversation with Dan Pontefract, who's a good friend of mine, and he was the chief learning officer of TELUS, big uh, telco company in Canada. His episode is called Lead, Care, Win, also the name of his new book. Second, Jennifer Paler, also a friend of mine, formerly of IBM and now a Capgemini. Her episode is entitled Trust is the Key. So take a moment to listen to those for sure. For more on Naftali, you can find him on LinkedIn, uh, N-A-P-H-T-A-L-I, Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T. And you'll also find him registered on the johnmaxwellgroup.com website as well, where he is one of their coaches and trainers as well. Thanks for listening. You know, it's a pleasure to have you here with the podcast with me. Uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you enjoying this conversation. Um, if I haven't mentioned it before, which I think I probably have, <laughs> you can always show some love by giving the podcast a review or some stars on your podcast platform, whatever that might be. Um, I'm really appreciative if you share the podcast with other people. We grow by word of mouth. I'm trying to grow my audience base. I'd love it if you help me out with that. Um, and if you'd like a little more, there's a free membership site called Do Come Freeze. Uh, it's where you can get downloads, unreleased episodes, transcripts, and the like. Um, you can find that on the website, mbs.works, and go to the podcast page there. You're awesome, and you're doing great. <laughs>